we kind of just roll into it too so it doesn't start so they make up some questions and that like the hardest one the one i do want you to know how you answer because it's the question that like i i just i just flat out lie to people when i meet them in public but what do you tell people you do for a living i tell people that i do logistics auditing and then okay, I, that's pretty good. And and then I just say I do FedEx and UPS stuff, and then they go, oh okay, yeah. That's that, that's, that's it, trying to really explain to people, like you either number one they you see their eyes kind of glaze over like huh, or I don't want to tell them what I do. I'm like I, I just do stuff with shipping. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. I, I lie and tell people I'm a dog photographer. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like people people yeah. will say that and I'll be like, what do you do for a living? I'm like. I'm a dog photographer. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I take photos of dogs. That's what I do. And I live like in a high rise downtown and people are like, you take care of photo dogs and you live. And it's, it's not like a night. It's like, not super <laughs> nice. but that's what I say. That's just my go-to thing. It's just yeah. easier to say. Or sometimes when I'm an Uber, I say I'm a janitor because for some reason people don't want to talk to janitors and Ubers. Like once you say you're a janitor, <laughs> it just shuts down the conversation. You're just like, no one wants to talk to you then. That's, I need to start saying I'm a janitor. Yeah, I, don't I always talk get to the people. chocolate ones. No, if you tell me you're a janitor, because no one's going to be like, oh, what are your sanitation practices? No one ever <laughs> no one ever asks that. No one cares what the mop handles you use. No one cares that I use uh, what uh, – I can't remember the name of any soap right now. Um, well, I started recording, so just so everyone yeah. knows, we have refund retriever in the house over from Houston. I have with me Mr. Brian Gibbs. And – Alahe Alam. There we go. Well, appreciate you guys coming over yeah. from uh, – it's a quick, quick little drive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have refund retriever here. Um, would you guys <clears throat> mind telling me what refund retriever does? Now that you've said that it is uh, logistics logistics auditing. auditing. So I love that. By the way. So basically, every FedEx and UPS package that's sent out is guaranteed to arrive by a certain day or time, or it's free. But the carriers don't automatically give those refunds to the clients. So what we do is we download their invoices for them. Find all those late deliveries and billing mistakes. Go to FedEx and UPS, get them fixed. We charge them a percentage of whatever we save them. And then we take all those bills and invoices that are usually, you know, giant files that are kind of, you know, shrouded in mystery of how much was charged here and there and give them biteable reports and analytics. So cost per pound shift, accessorial fees, and give, uh, you know, number one, save save the client money on their invoice in the front end by just looking for those late deliveries and on the back end finding inefficiencies in their shipping just through data through a, looking at a report that actually makes sense what's like an example of one of those inefficiencies um one of our reports we have is uh address corrections that are multiple packages to the same address like we had a client oh, okay. the other day that every single time he shipped to this one address it was $16.40, and he did it eight times last month. The month before that was like 10. So all he needed to do was go in and change this one address, and it was, the I think the last uh, digit of the zip code was uh, off. So, you know, here you go. Go fix this, and this is going to save you, you know, either $80 or last, last month it was $140 a month just by changing that. We also have a Mr. Refund in the house as well. <laughs> uh, refund. refund Retriever has the prettiest little black lab. His name is Refund, and he is in the house as well. I've never seen our office more excited to see 
anyone or anything come through the <laughs> office door. The entire morning, everyone has been asking me, and I was telling them this earlier when they got here, was, is refund coming? Is refund coming? Is refund coming? I was like, guys, I don't know. I'm saying his name now. And he's like, we're getting really excited. And I told him, I was like, guys, I actually don't know. I, I hope so. I hope so. And so they were putting like dog emojis or on <laughs> Slack. They were just like hitting him with the dog emojis. Um, sorry, I'm slightly distracted in front of us. So what is like an ideal customer for you guys? Because in my head, it's a no brainer to turn this on. Like, What's an ideal customer for you? Anybody that's basically shipping more than 20 packages a week is a, is a good customer for us. We have customers in the e-commerce space. We have customers like uh, mail and parcel centers. We have law firms. We have insurance companies. We have everybody you can, you can imagine. Every single industry, we have uh, customers in it. So if they're basically shipping more than 20 packages a week, then we're going to save them money. And even if they're shipping less than that, we're still going to save them money, but it might be, you know, we're running on percentages of percentages. So our return isn't, you know, it's not huge. It's not, you know, double digits for clients. So they might not ship a ton of packages in a certain time frame, and we're not getting any refunds or everything is valid, has a valid delay with it, or the billing was just correct. So even if they're not shipping a ton out, we can still save money, but it's more of like they haven't seen uh, an invoice in like three weeks or, or three months, and then they get an invoice and they forgot that we were in the background because if there's not an issue, we're not gonna we're not gonna put anything in front of them. We're not we're we're not in their face at all. Well, that's nice. So it's it's kind of like it's like a low touch tool. It's just kind of yeah. out there. So what's the is there like a friction like what what's the look like for someone to get on refund or trip? Because I assume people are going to listen to this merchants and they're going to go, yeah. well, I should be PS and FedEx and I'd like to get some money back. Like what do you so do they just go to your site and then just upload an invoice or how does that work? No, yeah, they go to our website and all we need is we need the credentials to get into FedEx and UPS. So same credentials we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So I was on the, we actually just recorded before this uh, the refund or trip podcast and we both just made jokes about how hard it is to get credentials from carriers. So. Yeah. That's and, and fix that, guys. Yeah, and what you know, we have like a, we we tried to that that process is kind of difficult, and some people they don't want to give the credentials mm -hmm. this and that. So like we even have like little videos on how to add a secondary access for you know instead of uh, them giving us the credentials, they can add us as a secondary user to the online billing with everything we need, and we need to get in. We need to be able to get in there, download invoices, and dispute the packages. So you know, it's it's pretty. Pretty painless to get started. I just wrote that down. It's a great idea. I don't know if I can. I'm assuming it's the same stuff, but no, that's that's awesome. So, what is this? Is one thing I've always been kind of curious: is do the carriers like you, um, or is it like a frenemy thing? Because I assume your customers like you, but do the carriers like? I don't you? think the carriers really like us too much, but also we're not we're not taking like you know customers away from them i always mm -hmm. see it as we're we're providing fedex with a happier user mm -hmm. we're giving them the reports and analytics that they're not providing their customer we're also giving them more visibility into what they're paying mm -hmm. and and you know they they might not you know they might want to keep that person in the dark of you know they'd rather them you know be using a certain service and not you know not be paid, not get a large enough discount or any discount or accessorial fees. They might, you know, like it whenever they're in the dark, but you know, we're not. And, and also we never like go to a client and say, you need to be shipping 
move all your mm-hmm. FedEx over to UPS. I don't yeah. care what you ship. I'm going to help if, you either way. It, yeah, it, it doesn't, I don't care who you're using or what it's for. You know, we're just looking to make sure that they're paying for what they should be paying for. So even if they don't like us, they really, there's no reason for them to not like what we do because we're not breaking any of their rules or anything by telling You're keeping them compliant. compliant. Yeah. I, the, the way that I said this, because someone I've talked, I've talked about you guys on calls is I say that you guys are like the Robin Hood in a way, like this is your money. I'm giving yeah. it to you. Like this is, this is yours. They took it. This is yours. And that's, it, that's the way I always say it's it. It's kind of like if you pay, if you're going to, you have to, everybody has to pay their income tax. Well, some people hire CPAs to go over and do their income. We're kind of like a CPA for your FedEx and UPS. Oh, I like We're that. We're going to make good. sure it's what you're paying is what you're paying. And you're not paying any more than you should. How do you get away with the oops stickers? <laughs> They're all over the, uh, I, some on the internet. Those are hilarious. We just printed them out. Whenever we print them out at, uh, at usually whenever we start printing them out, like with sticker mule uh-huh. and it's kind of on that line, they'll, they'll let us know. Oh, okay. And you know, <laughs> we'll get a phone call like, I don't know if we can print this. Yeah. And you know what? Sticker mule also didn't do anything. We, we give these to the, uh, the FedEx reps at the shows. Oh, like, do you really? Oh yeah. Oh. They love them. We get yeah. a whole handful of them. They love them. I think, I think they're the, like, I'm a huge advocate of stickers uh, because, one of the things I like to do is I really like to design our stickers. Like there's stickers that I've designed that don't make it to light of day. Like this is like uh, the base off the Supreme logo. Mm-hmm. They don't get it. They meaning our CEO. She doesn't get it. Uh, but like I love like a well done sticker, and then I love those stickers. Well, we'll have some tonight. Nice, yeah. that's perfect. She hates putting uh, stickers on her I, laptop. She wouldn't do it forever, I and I stuck that on there. With stickers on laptops. Do you? Yeah, he stuck on. You know, I at first we said we we're gonna do all the social media icon stickers. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if I can do it. It's a lot of commitment on a laptop, but it started. That's a lot of real estate. <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of real estate. I put stickers on everything. I have stickers <laughs> everywhere. When I was a, in my developer days, you can see, not very long, just for any magenta people listening, um, you can still see like remnants of like, it says, it said get shit done here, like GIT uh, for like GitHub. I got that from a Shopify conference. And so you can like see like shadows of this. And I, I don't know uh, why. Like, one of my, one of my laptop is uh, one of my programmers old laptops. Cause mm-hmm. I, I just get the leftovers. I like, you guys get the good stuff. That's, yep. I'll get the old stuff. And I think mine still has one of the little, the GitHub uh, octopus on the bottom mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. I think it's still there. Yeah, <laughs> I do some street cred Cause if you're ever like at a coffee shop, they're like, that guy's a developer. <laughs> one of the one of the highest compliments I think you can be that like I take is when people think I'm like really technical. People think I'm a developer. I'm uh, like, oh my god, they think I'm a developer. Like, don't say anything stupid. So they don't change <laughs> that to me you is like real quick. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Like that's the thing is like I like if anyone tells me that, like I will, I'm very forthcoming and I'm not. But like if anyone's just like yeah, he's technical. Yeah, I'm technical. Yeah, I'm yeah. technical enough. I don't know what 1.21 gigawatts are. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about manufacturing all day. So yeah. If you want to get that technical, so. One of the things you mentioned is, so you guys are, you guys are bootstrapped, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So, so are we. I think that's like one of the things because I remember, so we first met at a, the big commerce partner thing. Was it two years ago? The one, it was, uh, it, was, was it here? Yeah. It was at the yeah, Ella yeah. hotel. Yeah. Yeah. And so I remember cause we talked, um, because we just launched a partnership with someone and that's when how we yeah. met. But I think that's one of the things that's so interesting to me is that you guys are a startup that's, I'm sorry, you guys are bootstrapped and you've been around for a long time. Do you refer to yourself as a startup? No, not really. I don't, I don't think we've ever really referred to us as a startup. Uh, no, not really, because 
there was really never any real startup. Like the way I started the company was I had, I came out of school and I started a, a company where we sold things on eBay for people like that four-year-old virgin movie. That's, what I was, that's exactly yeah. what I was going to ask you. I was like, cause I just imagine something like, can yeah. I buy this? And you're like, you have to go to the website. Yeah, exactly. I, I had one of those in Houston. I had one of the first ones inside the loop that was kind of, I, I mixed it with a, a UPS and FedEx shipping center. Oh, so, we so had they brought it too, yeah. In, and so I mixed those two together because I had seen other eBay stores just not make it because mm-hmm. they, they put themselves in in really nice uh, parts of town to get the people that maybe had the nicer stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, the huge fatal flaw in that business model was once you sold somebody's stuff on eBay, they didn't have anything else to sell. So you had to go get a whole new set of clients. Mm-hmm. So I mixed it with the mail and parcel center. So I'd have a, a regular foot traffic coming in and we started doing a lot of shipping, a lot of FedEx and UPS. And I started like seeing, okay, well, I, I like went to this lunch and found out that this was a real thing of some other the mail and business centers. And I was like, oh, okay. And I hired a company that claimed they could do it. And within a few weeks and we gave them access to everything. They never got any refunds for us. So I was like, I'm going to start kind of screwing around this myself, especially like tracking everything myself and looking at estimates and, and really looking at what an invoice really was and, and where their mistakes were. And I started saving money for my own company. I was like, mm-hmm. Hey, well this works. And I was like, I'm going to see if like, and this was, I was doing this in like the back of my store. Mm-hmm. Like I had my regular job and then I'd, at night, start looking through invoice and stuff. I was like, okay, well, I'm actually like saving a lot of money on this. And so I was like, well, I'm going to put a little bit of money in this and let me go try to find a programmer that can do this. So we found a a programmer that could, we kind of gave him, we didn't tell anybody what we were doing, Mm -hmm. but well, they wouldn't understand anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But we, we gave them like a website that we wanted crawled, a database query, pull down the information and put it in our own database. Mm-hmm. Maybe that, that's what we needed. We needed like a core, you know, you need that mechanism. Yeah. That mechanism mm-hmm. we need. And we use the secretary of state, uh, unclaimed property website for Texas. Like if you go put your name mm-hmm. in and then gives you out a printout list. Mm-hmm. So we said, okay, we're going to give you five names. If you can crawl this site and then put it into this database, then Hey, we're good. And it was funny cause I, I said, I don't want to see any resumes. I don't want you to tell me you can do it. I just want you to, this is my store and I want you to tell me a time and you come in and you show it to me on your computer. And I had 500 plus resumes. Everybody, oh, we can do this. Oh yeah, I bet. Or, you know, my company can help you. I was like, no, I don't want that. And one guy came and he was like, I'll be there on Friday. I was like, okay. And this old IBM programmer came in and he was like, okay, give me the names. And he's like smoking his cigarette in my store. And, <laughs> I mean, he was, just, he was, he was an interesting character. He put it out and I knew I had the answers in my hand here of what I wanted to see in the database. And he goes, there it is. Does that look right? And I was like, yep. All right. This is what we're doing. And he was like, all right, let's go. And we basically just started building that database and building the company. The whole time I had the eBay store. And then in 2006, we just were like, I think we can start bringing on customers because my eBay store is a customer. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of went live in that. And we 
slowly kind of there was there was no starting point mm -hmm. in 2006 it was like we're going to try to get new clients just to test everything out to make sure everything's working and then it wasn't then i sold the ebay store in 2007 i think once i saw that okay this is a viable company mm -hmm. and it was to a point to where i was having to answer phone calls for refund retriever and i had people trying to come in and yep. ship a package mm -hmm. and i was like okay this and i had two people working for me at the ebay store and i still needed to be up there i was like I don't want to just keep hiring more people for this. I was like, I need to pick one. And the refund retriever, I didn't know if it was going to be that successful, but I was like, but I like the business model. And this was, this was back before this was when eBay was huge. Oh yeah. eBay, eBay was the, was the big dog. Like there, there was no Amazon Goliath. It was, you know, and a lot of, I mean, this was back when people really didn't, the majority of people didn't buy on online you know they didn't they still were kind of weirded out about putting a credit card uh, you know online I, there was a my mom didn't buy anything online till like 2011. oh really yeah and no, people that i knew didn't buy things online well, that's why still, paypal became paypal because yeah. it was a it was a trusted portal yeah that took your payments yeah so i was like i'm gonna try this thing and i was like this and i kind of got in with it at the right time whenever e-commerce was just I mean, it was really deep. It was so really what was the pop. what was the path for you then? Because I know that with I know that with your you know what you guys do, you kind of work with anything if you have if you have uh, the credentials from a carrier. Mm -hmm. But was it? Did you go okay? I'm already in the eBay world. I'm staying eBay, or did you go eBay and then e-commerce platforms, or what? How did what landed you at like big commerce or like to, to the other platforms you guys support? Yeah, uh, well, the eBay like eBay Live 2007 was like our first trade show mm -hmm. and the only reason that i went to that it was because i was a big ebay seller like mm -hmm. i sold a ton on eBay. did you have one of the colored lanyards did they do that back then nope okay. uh, no i don't i don't even remember i don't even know if they had lanyards i think they had like little badges like or little badges oh, really? that, yeah it was it was like was that in vegas or? that one the first one was in was it san diego that i remember chicago i think chicago chicago or boston one of them but and we went to that one and started signing up people that were on eBay. And hey, he doesn't want you up there. <laughs> Refund just went and refund saying, saying hey, he's, he's whispering a question in my ear. Yeah. <laughs> but so, you know, we we stayed in the eBay where we got a bunch of eBayers set up mm -hmm. and then like mail and parcel centers. But then I started looking at like, okay, what other companies out there like us that are also targeting the clients that we want? Mm -hmm. And I started seeing, you know, like the kind of the rise of these partnerships and tech partners and, and, you know, I think our first real big one was big commerce and we've, we've been with big commerce for, and I don't know how long. Like ever. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you guys were there before we were. Yeah. We were, we've yeah, been, been there, there for a long time. We put a, a, you know, it puts them in there, an app in their marketplace and it's, it's been great. And then, you know, seeing how that worked then we kind of started because you know picking the people that we kind of wanted to partner with because i get i get two or three phone calls every week of people that like our business idea and be like i want to be a salesman for you mm -hmm. we've never had a team of salesmen we've never had people on the phones cold calling lists 
we've we made a conscious decision to get partnerships mm-hmm. and to partner with people that are are going after clients that we're also mm-hmm. going after and also that have a good reputation in the industry and not you know this guy off the street that wants to be a salesman for us mm-hmm. and that you know we st- I still get calls all the time of people like I know a hundred oh, large trying shippers to refer, trying to get a referral and I, yeah, you guys yeah you give me a nibble of it and then I'll give you yeah, this and, list and we've never like there's a, a few people that we've like entertained because of who they were in the industry mm-hmm. not because of who they could bring us yeah. it's more like it's a reputation thing and so you know like we did that uh, so big commerce and then we uh, started we started working with Shipworks mm-hmm. and we have all sorts of you know we had the we have the Shopify Magento plugin mm-hmm. and we're retooling those right now but you know when it comes to the other ones that we really you know it's it's people that are in our industry and it's also people that kind of they don't have to be related to shipping for for what we do if they're somehow related to same kind of customers that we're looking for mm-hmm. then we're we're all for and did you guys ever look up did you guys so like because so you guys had like really good you know like an organic growth curve that really took off did you guys ever look at like getting investment or do you guys get do you get do you also get emails like hey we see what you guys are doing you should get a round of funding from us do you get those as well all the time like my what are your thoughts on that because i so this kind of comes back to one of the questions i asked earlier is that like as a startup i think that some people have this idea that you know, if you're a tech company that doesn't have a Series A or a Series B, then you're a startup. Yeah. Like, like so, like us for example, like we're right under thirty employees. We've been cash flow positive since two thousand and eight, and have never taken funding. To some people, we're a startup. Yeah. To me, we're not a startup at all. We have a startup mindset, which is different than being a startup. So, yeah. like you guys are, you know, you're older than we are, but the same thing. It's like that's the thing. Like, so what do you do? What do you do? You actually talk to the investors, or you just no? Like, I I. No, when I get those emails, I pretty much immediately put them into my spam folder. Yeah. And I get phone calls all the time. And uh, there's times where I like, I, I tell them I don't speak Spanish or I don't speak English mm-hmm. and ask them to transfer me to somebody that speaks Spanish. That's, I love that. <laughs> I, uh, I, I've, never, I've never even looked at it because my, my thought is, number one, we don't really, I don't know where I would use extra money in the company yeah. that, because I'm also, I'm very... I'm a little bit too controlling over my own brand. Sometimes like, I mean, it's, I, it's your company. It, yes. It's your destiny. Don't put your destiny in someone else's hands. Yeah. But also there's times where you should listen to what other people are saying. And, and that's, and that's how also that we've kind of grown so much over the past two years is I have kind of listened to other people more, but also once you take somebody else's money, you have to listen to somebody else too. Mm-hmm. You can't just take their money and then, Say okay, well, I'm still okay. Well, yeah, my cor- my current course, no. So I just I, I don't listen to. It's a it's a tricky thing. Yeah, it's, it's really tricky. So, I mean, and this is like one of the it's kind of covering off. You know, being a bootstrap company. I mean, you guys must be a target for acquisition for maybe not the carriers. I mean, the carriers maybe like silence you, but for like platforms, you know, for these because we talked about it before. Like every platform wants to have a core competency around yeah. shipping, like. I mean, we get, we sometimes, well, not sometimes, we get those still, but I feel like for you guys, it must be the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some of my competitors, they get, you know, one of them, they just got a big investment from a company and within a few months, their CEO 
magically change to somebody else. Like, That's what happens. They they kicked out management, and you know we we give I the real people that I the only people that I'll actually listen to sometimes and just it, and it's more for just the hell of it is when my competitors call me to buy mm-hmm. me, and I'll just talk to them to see kind of what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, what's and, going on? Yeah, yeah. What are you up to? And some of them are kind of taken back that okay, why is this guy actually talking to me? Like he's already said no, and he's still just kind of shooting the shit. And I, I don't, I see my competitors as, you know, they're, they're a benefit to me. Like, well, I, I think, and I think I think of him similarly as well. Is because it's it helps build awareness that this is needed. Yep. And then when it comes down to a stack of you know who does what features support level of expertise, yeah. I mean, we win those. Yeah. So it's like I mean. I, I we hate, win those. I hate going to a trade show where I'm the only person in my space. That is the that's the worst thing in the world for me. I want another. I want one of my competitors there, so they see them somewhere else and that they're making their rounds. They're like, "You guys are like a, like them over there. How are you different? You just you you just answered my prayer. I'll tell you exactly. Well, that's how we met. That's how we met. That that exact same thing. And you told me and you educated me about what the space was. Yeah what they did and then what you guys did. And then you, you put it in such a way that the person can make the decision on, you know, who yeah. they want to use or how it works. And I think that that is, I think that it's the best way to do it. There's no reason to just like, you know, just like shit on someone or just yeah. talk. And the why it's just like, no, you want to build an awareness that, Hey, this is needed. And this is how we do it. Yeah. I have competitors that when I see them at trade shows, they, they literally turn the other way. And I have one guy that is that because you have a refund with you though? No, <laughs> he's so there, intimidating. There, there, yeah, intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> I have one guy that hasn't talked to me in like six or seven years, and the only time that we were at a trade show, and uh, the only time he said anything to me is he turned around from a food buffet and hit me, and said, "Oh, excuse me," and didn't realize it was me. <laughs> and then when he saw it was me, he just it looked like somebody just, you know dumped his plate of food in the ground and he was so angry that he said something to me and he just he just left he just walked away and i don't understand that i don't think you the, know the logistics auditing space it's a, yeah, it's a it's tough a one doggy dog hey. world i guess i like the dog <laughs> yeah that's so funny so so one of the things so like i had mentioned before we did the refund retriever podcast really everyone should definitely listen to it it's way better than ours um we talked about like amazon as a whole but like, what does taking on Amazon look like for you as someone as a part of the shipping thing? Um, I well, a lot of the people that are you know fulfilled by merchants becoming bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, they're I think they're really wanting to give some of the you know. There's a lot of shippers out there that can do as good of a job as as Amazon shipping, and still be kind of under that Amazon Prime. It, you know, fulfillment by merchant is a way that Amazon can grow without having to pour more concrete. You know, if they're if, the only way for FBA to grow is more concrete and pillars in the ground mm-hmm. with Amazon people. If you can have that supplier actually kind of take the place of that part of the industry, then that's the way Amazon can keep keep kind of moving. So we've seen a lot more fulfillment by merchant, which is is great. Um, because it's usually ship, it's usually, you know, more express shipping or they're opening up multiple locations Mm -hmm. and also more people are taking a a notice in what their shipping costs are and 
how how long it takes to get there. It builds an awareness. And yeah, it really does because it's you know before I guess before Amazon, you're gonna get your package when you get your package. Exactly. And now, okay, well you might have the 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 if the cheapest price on this Apple computer right here, that's a refurb. But if you can't get it to me in two days, then I'm going to go on Amazon and I'll pay 50 more dollars for it. Yeah, because you want it. Because I want it. So that so that shipper has to understand that. And also, they have to look, they have to kind of understand their shipping more. They have to understand, not only understand it, but also be able to kind of convey to the end user, hey, don't worry, this will be just as fast as, as Amazon. So. <laughs> It's it's helped us absolutely, and for for us as well because you know we've we've been, we've had a date and time module that has like either displayed like a calendar or like shown transparency in the cart and checkout for years, like years and years and years. And one of the things that with Amazon, like the Amazon, what we call like the Amazon style checkout, all it's done is like, but put validity against the code that we've been writing for you know years and years and years, and it just makes it a really easy use case. Yeah. Someone will go like, hey, what do you want your checkout to look like? I want it to look like Amazon. Like, cool, you want it to split out different shipping for different products. They want to show the date delivers. Yeah. Like, yeah, cool. We can do that. And they go, really? They go, yeah. You can do that on, you know, Magenta one, Magenta two, Zoe coming soon to big commerce and Shopify. Yeah. Cause you before can... their dates were probably the, uh, they downloaded the map from, and that's yes. what they show. Yeah. And you click your money. When will my product arrive? And yeah. it pops up a little modal comes up and it's like the little heat map. That's probably your biggest competitor. That map. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. And I think that like one of the things we talked about too, was like, you know, a lot of your customers use flat rates because they don't know yeah. that you can make these decisions because a lot of a lot of the calculation happens right now for like your merchants and some of ours as well that we're like retraining is it happens in the post order. Like, why would you calculate the shipping cost at the end of it when your customer paid for it at the beginning of it? Yeah. And like, that's one of the things that like we're doing a lot of retraining with just, just mindsets of customers and Amazon kind of rising or and everyone getting drawn attention to how do we beat it really helps us out a lot. Like I said, like our CEO did a talk last year on how to take on Amazon, because if you show a ground method for free and then you show an expedited method with a little bit of, you can add a padding to it because 70% or something like that. Maisie you have to, has to fact check this and autocorrect it. Cause I don't remember the exact stat, but it's around that percentage that they want their item sooner. They want yes. it within, they want it within two days, show it. Yeah. Let them select it. If the customer wants it that badly, then they're going to pay the shipping and they're going to take it because they and want the item. We've even seen people that were that are actually giving discounts on ground shipping. Mm -hmm. exactly. So they want to have the contrast. Yeah, they want to be able to show the contrast exactly. And they're like, okay, if you want it there, then this is the price. Or hey, we'll give you off. We'll give you five dollars off your order for your order price if you just let it ship it any way you want. And I, I but also I think you know more more people want it there. But if you give them that. I think there's a difference between like surveys. What do you want it faster or do you want it cheaper? Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, I'd rather have this. Until the, the, I think the real number is finding websites that actually give a discount for if we can get it there on the back of a donkey in 10 days, then it will save you five bucks. How many people actually choose that? Not just in a survey. And mm -hmm. I would love to know those numbers. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing. So one of the things that we actually just joined was, uh, I wonder if you're familiar with the PayPal mobile optimization initiative. Yeah, uh, was it I, whenever I came to... Oh, that's right, the last meetup. Yeah, the so, last meetup yeah, so, to... yeah, so uh, Rob from PayPal presented with Jason from Rosoyo and Jenna from Creativity yeah. all up in up in Dallas. So this thing that they did was all around like mobile, we're all around mobile payments. So we actually are joining that study right now for shipping. So in the cart and checkout. So like one of the things that we're doing is we're writing some generic tests that don't use your 
then we're writing some tests that do use Shipper HQ, mm-hmm. or especially around the estimated delivery date and the date and time, because I want that data. Like, I want to be able to show customers, hey, it's going to arrive on this day, or hey, it's going to arrive on that day for a cheaper method. What are you going to select? Yeah. So those are some of the things that we want to A-B test, because I think that, like, it depends on what you're buying. If I'm online buying a pair of jeans that I'm not going to wear for a while, if it's 10 days in free shipping, I'm going to forget I ordered these jeans, and in 10 days I'm going to be happy that I got a pair of jeans. Yeah. Like, I, But if I'm going to a wedding that I need these jeans by, then, like, I need the ability to select the secondary next day because I'm last minute and I just need my jeans. Yeah. Like, And I think that having that contrast and being able to get the data off that's going to be really cool. Yeah. That's a really cool study. We're excited about it. Our, our CTO is actually on a panel about that next week. I meet with Gentle Singapore, which doesn't matter because this isn't going to come out for a couple of weeks. So that's going to mean yeah. nothing. <laughs> I hope the talk went well, Jen. So what would you say would be like the three tips that you would give someone? Well, it doesn't have to be three, but like what are the tips that like, like you have this sage wisdom on the contracts and seeing the stuff that like, I don't, I don't, I can't think of anyone else. Like whenever I have an e-commerce, store, I have a big commerce store. It's called kindofjunk.com. I don't actually sell anything on it, but like when I do, when it comes time to talk to like about the carriers, there's nobody I'm going to call first besides you. Like, yeah. so what would, what would you say would be the things that you would tell someone? Uh, data. I think and the biggest thing is people in shipping don't realize how much valuable information is in their invoices and how much we can tell about a client and, and what they're, what they're actually, where their spend is going and where their where their business is coming from. And I think a lot of people don't realize the importance of, of just looking at where their money's going for shipping. Like how many times they're getting hit with address corrections that can, we, we can, it's, we can see the issues, uh, by, I guess by this, what, what is it? Like whenever you, you see a, a disease from the symptoms yeah, type it's like thing. Systemic. So, yeah, like we can see all the address corrections or all the uh, the issues with residential surcharges. Okay, you guys don't have an address uh, verification system on the front end whenever your whenever your whenever your buyer is inputting in there, mm-hmm. or you don't have a uh, residential uh, validator for your packages, so everything is just getting automatically shipped FedEx ground, mm-hmm. and and they don't they don't see the data where okay. If you have all of your packages by FedEx only going FedEx ground, it's going to be more expensive Absolutely. than choosing home delivery. And people don't even realize that because they don't see the numbers. And I can put a dollar amount on saying, well, you spent $17,000 more over the past three months because you're not having them say if this is a residence or a commercial address. So looking at that data is the biggest, the, the biggest thing. And also... People need to, in my opinion, they need to have FedEx and UPS as available tools in their toolbox. What about USPS? USPS, yeah, also. But of course, like, options. That, I don't even think USPS is an option. That's a mandatory thing to have for every uh, e-commerce seller because you have to have that just low, low cost. I mean, first class option. package services, I mean, yeah, they couldn't be any cheaper. Yeah, you have to have that. If you don't, I mean, you can't just say we're only UPS. Mm-hmm. You need to have, you need to have USPS because there's just so many, so many options. And then people putting in PO boxes mm-hmm. or people sending to, you know, other countries. Yeah, our troops. Tro- anyway, yeah, yeah. You, you have to have that option, but you have to also be able to switch around from FedEx or UPS. Mm-hmm. And because each carrier is not, they're not the same. 
they might, from your location, they might be cheaper to send to a, a certain part of the United States for ground. And the other guy might be more uh, economically friendly on express packages. So certain, you know, you're, you're going to get different rates. So uh, honestly, you don't have to show the client that it's only going to go UPS or FedEx. Yeah. You just say, okay, ground is this much. It could be home delivery. It could be UPS ground, or it's going to go express two to three days and it's going to be this price, mm-hmm. but you need to have a software behind it that says, okay, is this going to be UPS or is this going mm-hmm. to be FedEx based on what I'm going to pay? Cause there are a lot of people, they just get, they get stuck where they, they only want to go one or the other. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate UPS or I hate FedEx. As soon as they get kind of those, those kind of those biases, biases yeah. on it, then you're you're screwed. You've taken out your competitive advantage on the shipping, and it's going to become an expense. Where you know most companies should shipping should be an advantage. They should you maybe you're not making money on it mm-hmm. per se, but maybe your shipping is so efficient that you can get it out the door the day that it's purchased mm-hmm. and down that supply chain a little bit faster than the next guy. So maybe you're not having to pay for an express shipping service still still get it there in two days where your competitor might not be able to do that because they might still have you know a guy that's manually taping everything up and has seven different labels and he's okay now which one goes to where absolutely i i think one of the things that like one of the things i love talking about people like you is that like we speak the same language and i feel like it's still like cling on or something to other people yeah it's just like the more that we can like translate and kind of just like just distill down the information and go like, like you said, Hey, you can save 17 grand by turning on a, a feature that costs you $50 a month at Hooper HQ. Yeah. You want to pay 600? Do you want to save $17,000 and spend 500? Like yeah. things like that, you know, well, that's actually a really good comparison, but it's like, I see this black and white, like invest in this and save this money. Yeah. We, we talked to a, a company that is one of our clients here, here in Texas and they're mainly a B2B shipper mm-hmm. and their old UPS guy He's been with UPS for like 23 years and they just got world ship like four years ago. Mm-hmm. And even the way that they were doing world ship, it was just like they were, they were not using the rates at a world ship to kind of place orders. They were, they basically had a ledger that one of their secretaries had <laughs> and okay, what's this ways about this much. And oh, she man. would go down and I was like, uh, what are you doing? Like you, you have oh, to hate it. And it I, makes me cringe just thinking about and, that. And and they they came in real hot and heavy of like, oh yeah, we need we're gonna save a lot of money. And I was like, well, on the front end, you have you have so much work to do over here. Like, and because they are also were trying to go B to C, and they were they were I don't know what's what they were using, but they were trying to create a website also to to give that the what you guys do mm-hmm. give the the time and the and the dates on the front or the uh, and the prices and they were trying to create spreadsheets to go off of zones oh and i was like well the zones change They're like no zones are zone like we're in zone five and i was like no we're not <laughs> i was like you don't even know what a zone is like you, you where do you where are you going and it's, that's that's how I mean people yeah. that's people people go down that path. We have a customer of ours who's a um, 
they ship ice cream uh, and they're a big, big commerce customer. And that's what they used to do. They used to have to keep up with these zones. And when I told them that we just call our API and then they just tell us what the zone is, like, I was like, don't worry, I don't even care about the zones. Like, I don't care if they tell us. Yeah. Like, I honestly thought that that woman was going to walk down from Columbus, Ohio to Austin to hug me because they said every time at three o'clock we have to uh, export it and re-import it because our zones kind of change for this and there's that. And then every whatever year the zones change and we have to do this. And then like <laughs> Deborah's going to pull the rest of her hair out of her head because she has to change all these zones. I just think I'm like technology, automation, yeah. technology, automation. There's some people that just, they, and they also pride themselves on ignorance when it comes to this. And you're like, no, just because this is the way you did it. And you know, it's worked for 20 years. I can show you a different way and it's, it might not save you $10,000 today, but it's going to give you four more hours of your week that you can put into your business mm -hmm. and actually selling product X and not shipping product X. One of my favorite stories that I've ever gotten from like a customer and I've read an email, we have a case study with them is uh, intelligentsia coffee. They had a woman whose job was to just get shipping rates for the site anytime and this is a they, they do a lot of they're a fair trade coffee room. they sell a lot of coffee they're actually opening up a they do like they have like brick and mortar they're opening up one in austin here pretty soon but they had a woman whose job was to get shipping rates and whenever we did the call like exploratory calls it's like this was like a first magenta two customer one of the first ones we had we did this exploratory call and we were talking to him and i could tell this one on this call was like nervous because i was yeah we can automate all of this what are you talking about and she was like they're gonna take away my job yeah. And then so the econ director calls me afterwards and goes like, hey, can we just talk? I was like, yeah. So I was telling him what we could do. And he was like, this is great. And I was like, don't want you to fire anyone. He's like, no, no, she's going to go do something that she can enjoy. So she doesn't have to worry about doing this. She can go do anything else. So like, I know that like one of the happiest <laughs> yeah. things is I gave that woman 40 hours a week where she didn't have to do something manually by looking at shipping tables. And I don't know what she does now, but hopefully she is the happiest person. <laughs> I just love that. If she got fired, you'd be like. We need more security. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, take on the website. No, we don't. We take the address off the site. So what is it? So what is the future of refund trip look like? So I know you guys did freight retriever. Yeah. What, so are you ever going to add in like, you know, DHL is making a push back into the States. Is DHL going to come up? What? We have a lot of people ask for DHL. And the reason that we, we did DHL for a long time. The reason that we kind of moved away from it is, the transparency in their billing wasn't. Was it in German? <laughs> no. It, it was. It, a lot of times you had to call. Uh -huh. If we got a refund for somebody after a certain amount of time, you had to call DHL and ask them where the refund oh, was. Yeah. And the, they just didn't have real transparency in their invoicing. So I'm never going to send an invoice out to my client that I can't stand behind. Stand behind and go on a website and or go on a screenshot with them and say, there is your 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to uh, bill them for that. So that's why we're not doing the DHL. And, you know, like freight retriever, we do that freight and LTL rates, but, and that's, that's more something for clients that don't ship a lot of freight. They have mm -hmm. like onesie twosies mm -hmm. every once in a while. And it's just somebody we partnered with in Houston mm -hmm. that was an old school broker that, you know, okay, we kind of, we like your technology better than other people's and it's, we, we don't really push it that much, honestly, because it's not something that we're really, you know, we're not trying to push it, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, the, I get the future for us, like we're, we're doing a lot more reports and analytics. Mm -hmm. I mean, data, 
the, the which is the first thing that you said to look at your shipping data and then yeah. diversify. So and we're 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 starting to offer um, data and analytics without using Reef Retriever service. So uh, you know, like a flat rate for oh, interesting, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you guys have that engine built, it's huge, it's massive. Yeah. The stuff you guys can pull is like bar none. Yeah, might as well turn it loose. Yeah, and and we've also found that both more and more people are starting to look at data. Like when we uh -huh. first started, all the reports and analytics were that was a selling point for what we did, and it was a differentiator for us. But then whenever somebody got all this information, they never used it. They never mm -hmm. looked at it. So we're also, you know, we're we're kind of working with a few clients to kind of figure out, okay, what's useful. What, yeah. What's useful. Like, like I, I was talking to a lady yesterday about, uh, additional handling fees mm -hmm. and they're like, okay, well we have a little we have a report of all the additional, additional handling fees with the tracking number and all this information. She was like, well, additional handling, uh, it's because of the dimensions usually or the, or the sizes. So I need to know what the original, uh, dimensions were and I knew what the adjusted were. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the weights. And I was like, that makes it like that is completely logical like at first i was like oh i mean we have this report like what is she talking about and i was like nope wait a minute I exactly i see exactly what she's doing mm -hmm. so we're kind of we're kind of getting in that direction of okay if somebody doesn't want if they have a waiver on their account or they just don't want the us to look at that like what are they going to need what, what can we provide that person that's you know, either a little shipping, a little shipper, or somebody that's shipping out ten million dollars a year in UPS. What can we give to them? That's just, oh, oh, how can we distill it in a way that they can actually read it? I completely agree. And with you. and there's there's very, you're not going to do that with FedEx or UPS. You're you're not going to get distillation of certain charges and fees like we're able to give. So. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what we're really looking at a little bit more. And, uh, you know, we also partnered with a company that looks at Amazon invoices. Oh, nice. And, yeah, we're, we're not, it's it's somebody that we partnered with. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, they have their own core competency that mm -hmm. does it. And because, you know, there's been kind of a little bump in companies that do that over the past mm -hmm. few years. And Are you guys white labeling that or is it? Uh, yeah, kind of. Not, we we put we still put their logos mm -hmm. on our marketing and the sign up form mm -hmm. to let people know that it's 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 us like we're I, I guess we're in a unique position to have been able to see the comings and goings of a lot of these Amazon companies mm -hmm. and or Amazon auditing companies and wow. these are the ones you stand behind these yeah, are the, and, yeah and you know I was able to vet and look at which ones that. I mean, a lot of times for what I do, you know, I just get feelings for things and mm -hmm. there's some of them that I just did not trust. That's I, your like, gut instinct. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And it, after four years, I found a company that, okay, I would let my customers use this and I would say, this is, it. so we're, we're kind of, we're doing that a little bit, but we're not, I mean, that's another thing. We're not really, we're, we're not pushing it like refund retriever because we want people to know that our core competency is FedEx and UPS mm -hmm. invoices and Absolutely. data. And we're never really going to stray away from that because... But hey, if you want it, if yeah, it's there. We know these guys. Yeah, that's exactly. A, we, that's the same thing we have with other partners where it's like, I'm never going to get into that. I know yeah. these people. I've worked with them and I trust them to be in my marketplace. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing there. Yeah. So, so the question I've always wanted to ask you is how... So you have a law degree. 
Yes. He went to law school, <laughs> and then yeah. he went into shipping. Yeah. Like so, how did how did I get over to where I'm at now? Yeah. So you graduated yeah. from A and M, right? Yep. Went to Texas A and M. So you originally, so you full on gigum. Yep. So that's why I'm glad I said UT Tyler, not UT Austin. I think I remember a fist fight in the last one. <laughs> so what about? So are you originally from Texas then? Yeah, I'm from a suburb outside of Dallas called Garland. Yeah, I know Garland. Yeah, okay. I'm from Garland originally, and then when I graduated, I went to A and M, and I was a biomedical science major. That's right. Yeah. Another another weird one. Yep. I was going to go to vet school, and I got a minor in business because I'd, I'd worked for my, my only job I've ever had was with vets. Mm-hmm. So like I got my first job whenever I was 15 to buy a car mm-hmm. and ever I basically had a job at a vet all the way through school and I was going to go to vet school and I also I noticed how there was like a big influx at that time of these large companies conglomerates that were buying up little vet clinics cuz mm-hmm. before you know before 1990 Pretty much every vet clinic was owned by the veterinarian that was standing behind that yep. that table. Yeah, the one that's getting, the and, one that's getting bit for giving shots. Exactly. That guy. And then now there's companies coming in buying, and they bought basically three different vet clinics that I worked for, and took them over. Then I didn't I didn't want to work for the big guy, so I went and worked for somebody else, and then they got bought. And I kind of noticed, okay, well, these guys don't know business, so like I got a minor in business at A and M, and I was like, well, that's cool, like. I under I liked the business. I mm-hmm. I liked I liked the biomedical stuff, but I, I really enjoyed the business part of it. Like mm-hmm. my at that minor, so I applied to vet school and I got put on the wait list. Mm-hmm. So because there's not very very few people go to vet school. I think it's like 115 or something mm-hmm. get in every year. So that's crazy. Yeah. So I was like, my my backup is going to go to law school. So I applied to a bunch of uh, law schools in Texas, and um, I I picked Houston because it was close to A and M, and I was able to get a job at a decent sized law firm just as a file clerk to kind just of get, be in, get in, the, get yeah. in the mix. And also, if mm-hmm. I got into vet school, it was right down the road. I mean, it was you know it's easy. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'll go there, and uh, basically I was the day before I was going to start U of H law because I didn't hear anything back from A&M. I get a phone call. It was like, hey, if you want to go to vet school, like you can go. And I was at the point like I've already like kind of transitioned my life. Like I'm working at a law at a law firm. I'm living in Houston and like I already bought my books. Like I'm in go mode. Like oh, I, yeah. I'm, my, my, my entire thought and path of my life are completely going different a different now. direction now. And now I go, well, was like, no, I'm not going to like, they said like you could defer it for a year if mm-hmm. I want to go back. But I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go to law school. And then within probably six weeks of being in law school, I hated it. I was like, Oh God, so much reading. I hate reading. Like it was literally, I, it was, I liked the stuff, but which is, I mean, law school's, there's a lot of reading, a lot of stuff. So like I went over to the business school and I got information. I was like, well, I'm just going to get my MBA because I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, and at, at that point I was like, I can still go back to vet school, but I didn't want to do that. I was like, I've kind of like, I kind of moved It's a decent on. fallback plan. I'll just yeah. go, be a, go be a vet. Yeah. So I went over to the business school and they're like, well, you can you know, do this, this, and this. And they're like, we, they go, we also have a dual degree program. I was like, well, what's that? She goes, well, you spend a year in business school. 
and then we take a year from law school and a year we kind of mix it together and four years you get both degrees and i was like does anybody do that so you guys yeah somebody do it like five years ago she's like we nobody does it i was like okay i'll do it and so she had to write the curriculum she's like shit now i have to work yeah on exactly it. like she was like she goes come back in august because i gotta make some phone calls and figure out how this works <laughs> and i was like okay and she's like, you really want to do it? I was like, yeah. That's ambitious. Yeah. That's like, like super ambitious. Why not? And so the next year, instead of going to my second year, I finished out my first year of law school. Instead of going into the second year with all my classmates, I started my first year of MBA. And just took a year off of law school and went, it was across the parking lot and did the MBA. And then year three is when I started my basically next two and a half years of law school mm. and I knew I didn't but I knew I didn't want to be an attorney mm. but I was like you know having a law degree is not all that bad yeah. and it's not I was like I basically already did a full year of it so why not and I when I was practicing for the bar because I want to take the bar just because so like, yeah I'm, I'm already Completed. here yeah exactly just complete. finish it off and when I was uh, studying for my bar I would basically study at night from like six at night till 10 o'clock. I do like the bar study and I stay a little bit after. But from 7 a.m. till six, I was working on a business plan for that first eBay store mm -hmm. and trying to figure out logistics of it and like, okay, wh what does it take to even start a, a company? Because mm -hmm. I'd gone to, I, I had an MBA, mm -hmm. but I didn't know a single thing about starting a business. Nope, there's... I, I, I think there's entrepreneurial programs now in, in MBA programs. Now it's but, a part of it. Yeah. I've looked at MBA programs, so now there's like a section on that. Yeah, there was nothing there. Like, I was like, okay, uh, how do I, how do I, where do you even start? Like, yeah, Secretary I... of State, then filing for your federal tax ID, and then, okay, well, how do you even write a business plan? Like, I found a book uh, for the, Houston had like some, small business startup initiative that mm -hmm. was like in the mayor's office and it was like a table of stuff and when they had like a little hand and i went and was like how to how to write a business plan and i was like i'll take it okay and i was like writing a business plan and this was back whenever uh wells fargo would still give out like personal lines of credit mm -hmm. like there was anybody could get a loan and like i went in there and i was like i want to start a company and here's my business plan and I remember it was a guy over on in Braisewood in Houston, a big Wells Fargo. He was like, uh, we'll, we'll give you like 75000 on a personal line of credit. And he goes, but it's on your name. So if your business goes out, like you have to pay us back. And I was like, okay, that'll work. And then just started like doing it. As, and that's crazy. I, I, I don't like if I had to redo it today with what, what I think I What I you know knew, now? I would have done it so many different ways, but also I don't think I could redo all the steps in the same manner just because I didn't know any better. I, you know, I'd go in and ask stupid questions to different companies or I remember calling up the IRS for the federal tax ID and was like, what is this thing? Like, I remember just asking like, why am I doing this? And lady was like, well, okay, let me tell you. And like, now I wouldn't have the, I, I just didn't know any better. Oh yeah, man. I think I think that that's like ignorance is bliss. And yeah. You were just very blissful in that. I remember whenever I finished my bar exam, uh, it was it was funny because it was in like this big giant convention center, <laughs> and it was concrete floors, and I was just I had I I had no pressure on me. 
if I was going to pass the bar. I didn't care if I passed it or not. I still studied for it. Mm. So I, I flew through that thing. Like it's three days. Every day I finished early. And like the last day is like all writing. And I remember I finished early. Yep. Mm-hmm. Let's go. These are words. Yep. These, yep. This will work. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what they're looking for. And I remember getting up and I was wearing cowboy boots. I see you though. And, and nobody else was moving around. Even all the proctors had like soft shoes. And I get up with my cowboy boots and I walk through the middle of the thing. And I remember just seeing people's heads like, who in the, like, what is this guy doing? And I just walked out like, all right. And I, I literally left this the center because I also had an appointment mm-hmm. to go sign the first, the lease on my first company. So I had to get to the other side of town before my yeah, look, test I got I got to finish up this lawn. I, like, I got to finish up this bar I like, exam. I got to lease the sign. And I was just going through it. And everybody's like, what? I was like, I got things to do. <laughs> so I'm guessing you passed the bar exam? Yeah, I passed it. So yeah. do you ever do you ever wish you would have practiced law? It doesn't sound like you do. No, not at all. And then here's a, this is a question. So I often, can I call you my counsel? Is it, mm, not really. I don't even, I have my own attorneys. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm not actually going to do anything. I just need to say, like, I'm gonna, I need to talk to my counsel. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, yes. no, I'm not, actually, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not actually doing anything. I was like, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even hire myself <laughs> to be an attorney. <laughs> no, no, I just want to be able to go, I have to talk to my counsel. I'm like, who is it? That's a lawyer I know. Yeah. Like Houston. yeah. That's all I want. I don't actually, like, I'm never going to be like, hey, yeah, so I'm getting sued. Yeah. Hey, do you know what libel is? I'm not going to do anything like that. <laughs> but my wife's an attorney. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you meet her in uh, law school? Uh, no, uh-uh. we're in Houston. But uh, she, she does medical malpractice defense. Okay. And uh, like sometimes like whenever I'd have like a, I'm trying to do like a, like an agreement or something, she'd be looking at it for me. She'd be like, you really ought to hire a attorney by now. <laughs> like it wasn't a few years ago that she was like, she's like, you know, I don't do this. And I was like, yeah, but you know, a little more. She's like, she was reading something that she had edited before. And I, I printed, she's like, I already edited this once. Like where, where's what I did before? I was like, I think I lost it. She's like, you're fired. No, I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. I see. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> I love that. Um, so one last question. What what books or podcasts do you listen to? Like what like business wise or for fun? I listen to marketing podcasts. I don't listen to uh, marketing is my everyday activity for everything from um I think the, I guess the best book that I ever read that kind of changed the direction for what we do was this one. It was like the one page marketing plan. And, you know, I'd been marketing since we started refund retriever and we did it. Okay. But finally I sat down and wrote a marketing plan after being in business for, you know, seven years Mm -hmm. and, that one page like marketing book of, okay, you're really laying out what you're doing kind of opened my eyes of, okay, I, I didn't realize how much stuff was connected and also how much stuff I can connect to other things mm-hmm. that are, that can complement one another. So I read a lot of marketing books. Uh, I, I, I started reading, like uh, looking at the you know, Gary V mm-hmm. you know, that, that book, what is it? Jab, 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 punch or whatever it is. Like that one was like the first book that really kind of opened my eyes to like, there's a method to all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and so I read a lot of that stuff. I read like anything about like case studies, 
on what certain companies have done in just like one little aspect of like social media or mm-hmm. Twitter. I, I, I kind of go after that stuff. Uh, and I don't know what podcast. I know I have a lot of Gary Vee podcasts on there. See, but, I'm, and I, I'm and, slightly out on that guy. I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of going out on I, that too, I just yes. I think that honestly if, if I put a beanie on your head and just like put a camera in your face and you just start yelling you'd probably get the same object it's us if you see okay it, we see I got, social uh, media marketing yep. Instagram marketing secrets. e-commerce shipping uh, I, I don't think I think that's is that us there you start a podcast you and I no I think that's that's like two years old oh interesting I was gonna say some of these were that's the cat one Oh, that's, is that Gary V's? Yeah. Well, and I like the, the Shippers cat. Toolbox. By Shippers us. Toolbox. That's a I, that's I, a must I, have. I like a lot of like the Facebook marketing ninjas. So like, mm-hmm. when it's people that kind of just like Kara Swisher at all. No. Yeah, I should check her out. She's she's K A R A S W I S H E R. She is kind of like a she's kind of like a goddess in our company. Our CEO is a huge fan of her, okay. and she's kind of she calls herself like this, these are her words, everyone. But she's like the grumpy old woman of tech. So she'll like press Mark Zuckerberg and she like presses Elon Musk yeah. and just her ideals and some of it comes out of his marketing, but absolutely brilliant. I think you'd like her. Yeah. Uh, and I like, you know, people that, you know, like that are kind of specific, like the face, like that was the Facebook ninja, mm-hmm. the Instagram. I don't like people that are like, we do all this so well because there's no way that to me that knows everything, how it's intertwined. So like, I like to, okay, like I'll get intensively focused on our Facebook stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. let's look at Facebook ads. Let's like, you know, let's at the Udeme Academy mm-hmm. yeah. online. Mm-hmm. Like I, we bought the other day uh, like a 13-hour thing on Facebook advertising because I know a lot about it, but I want to see what this guy has to say. Exactly. And I want to listen to all of it. Or, you know, uh, we, we went real heavy in our blogs Mm-hmm. A few months back, uh, SEO in them with Yoast. Mm-hmm. So I basically listened to Yoast experts for like <laughs> twelve days, and I, I I binge on whatever I'm doing on that, and then I go to the next one. Mm-hmm. So it's not there's really so marketing is your big focus for right now. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, I think it comes across too, and I think that's one of the things that I really like is that you know there's only a few newsletters that I actually so I have like multiple email addresses. There's the one that like the one I email you on, for example, mm-hmm. is like my actual email address. And that's the one that I have your newsletter on. Yeah. Because I will read that and a couple other people in like the logistics space and I forward them to our marketing team and I go like, this is what a newsletter should look like because this is like usable content. That's the thing that like you, yes. could, you could, and this is one of the things that like, or her name is Jessica, she's coming on with us. But one of the things she says is like, you could write a million blogs, but if there's no content, it doesn't matter. Like you don't have to, there's no reason. She calls it like a content factory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's like, there's no need to. She's like, put out actual content, build the SEO, which is something we've talked about before about the whole 71 pounds thing. And that, you know, the, the searching around that with yeah. you guys is a funny, funny story. But that's the thing is like, just put out good content. When you read it, yeah. you look at it and you go, that's great content. And that's great content. There's the toolbox. There's the video. You click that and it links out. It's just, it's just so well done. Yeah. So it's, uh, you can also, the fruits of your labor. We, we also we watch what everybody does. Mm-hmm. Even people that aren't uh, competitors are in our space. I look at every, like, I, I look at marketing from a different aspect since I, since I, I guess, since I produce it, I consume it in a different way also. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I send, I, I forward to Alahi different 
things of like, I like this. Like the other day there was a, it was a company Hylite that does, it's like a athletic wear. Mm -hmm. And I ordered some shirts off there. And then a few days later, they sent me a pretty cool email of like rating us. And I was like, I just like the way that it looked, you know, it's an athletic company, but I like this email. I shot it over to her. And that's what, I mean, I look at everything. And I, th you know, I think that you can take things from different, like different fields and things like that. Like, I think a lot of it's like, uh, I think that some fields is like fashion. It gets really big and then it kind of trickles down and like vice versa. Yeah. Those things that like you can learn from things. Like my background comes from like, I did like a lot of restaurant marketing all around social media, but like that whole thing is more like image driven Yeah. and then content kind of falls second. And I think that like here with some of the stuff we do is like we have a in the room next to us like a 96 inch bear. And my thing was I'll show the visual of it. You know, yeah. you can write out you can write out what a dimensional divisor is all the time. But if you show I have a video of me unpacking that box, like that's gonna get more attention than being like if you vacuum seal the box, it'll now fit into this. It's like go yeah. visual. So I think that there's always those things you can kind of pull from different Yeah, and like when I go to trade shows, I, I take marketing material from Every single booth. I love reading people's pamphlets. I, I look at it and go, this yeah. one sucks. This is really good. Wow, I really like the way they did the spacing. Uh, we it. have stacks in our office of different trade shows that I've taken. And I keep the stuff. The stuff that I like, we have like a, a pin board that I put up. Yeah. And then I, I go, oh, I don't like that now. And I'll take it down and I'll go through. I'll go through old stuff too. Just like, okay, what jumps out to me? What's redone? There's one company. I forgot the name of the company. Uh, they were at IRCE. But did you see that they had the... Uh, the is a takeoff on the Dr. Seuss book of oh the places you'll go. Yeah, they were. I think they're over near us. I, I know what you're talking about. They were. Um, they had like an end cap thing. Yes. Um, and they had it when the shirt was like growth, growth beast or something. Mm -hmm. But that book, it was about. Uh, I think it was about shopping cart conversions, mm -hmm. and it was you know a boring topic that if you didn't really weren't looking for that, you're you don't care about it. But they put it in a Dr. Seuss style, style thing, yeah. And I saw that, and I was like, "This is awesome." I love that's that's the thing I love. It's it's I, I think with swag, like one of the things that we find is it's so easy to do it wrong, and it's so hard to do it right. Because like yeah. we we spend so much time, like Maisie, who you met earlier, and the one you she does our events. She spends. We were actually talking about it. I was doing some like talking about like what they do and she was like i spend so much time looking at swag because you have to do your research like uh tj from e-commerce aholic that's like he does like a youtube live stream and definitely you should definitely i think you'd really like it good content talks about marketing uh, he does a lot more around youtube but he has, mm -hmm. he has a magento agency uh and they do big commerce as well but he did uh nascar cars for mm -hmm. magento imagine that said you know 19 had the year on it has the adobe logo has the magento logo and has his logo yeah. So well done. It's just, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that just, it's yeah. worth the time. A lot of people, and also, we also kind of got away from giving away stuff at trade shows to sending stuff out afterwards. Oh, interesting. Because when you go to, a lot of times you go to trade shows, you see that person just shoving stuff in a bag mm -hmm. or they don't want to carry something. So like, well, like my daughter one time had, uh, she's a Girl Scout and basically we bought a ton of Girl Scout cookies and they never got delivered because mm -hmm she decided to sell them to everybody in the world. And, and I was about to take them on and <laughs> ship all these cookies up to New York and Florida. So they like sat in my house for like a month or two. I was like, what am I gonna do with these? And I was like, I'm just going to put labels on. And I started shipping out boxes of Girl Scout cookies to potential clients and some people. That probably blew their mind. And people were like, you just sent me a 
box of cookies. And I was like, I feel like it's just, I'm just slapping I hope you like on cookies. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. And we, we've done everything. We, we did, we have a whole bag of like uh, flip flops and uh, playing cards. We're just going to like, just, you know, you got to think of a way to get in front of somebody that's not. Not a, here, yeah. take this. Here's yeah. this pamphlet. Yeah. Do you want some silly putty? You're like, no, I don't want silly putty. Yeah. What am I going to do with that? Like we, like we shipped out a bunch of ramen noodles and we were like, have lunch on us. And we just put labels and we're shipping out ramen noodles. And people are like, okay, no, that's kind of funny. That's kind of funny. Oh, man, yeah. I love that. Oh, man. Well, I could, I could sit here and talk to you more about this for hours. Um, I really appreciate you coming into the office. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. Once again, uh, where can people find all the information about what you guys do? Refundretriever.com. Uh, and our number is 800-441-8085. Yeah, you'll get a nice uh, Houston Another fellow Texas. Oh, one thing. So I say this in front of our marketing team, and I've talked about this with like PayPal and Creativity. I think I've said these like Texas Commerce. It's like all the companies in Texas that are headquartered here. Like that's what it is. It's Texas Commerce. Like that's Texas, what we all. Yeah. Are. I need to get stickers. Yeah. So and, when you get out of here, Maisie who has to, Maisie who orders the stickers, you, you should go like, Hey Maisie, that Texas Commerce thing that Quentin talks about is a great idea. Because if you do that, we'll get some stickers. Yeah. Because I don't have any pull in marketing. <laughs> Maisie and Liz call the shots, but I, I'll, I'll have Alahi start making a hashtag and like that's what, it. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. So like creativity because Shannon Kelly, their director of marketing and sales, him and I have always talked about it. Like a Texas Commerce, hey, you guys are in Dallas for Texas Commerce, and that's when at the meetup in Austin we talked about, and I went up there for Dallas, and like PayPal's here, so like we will yeah. say it like as this thing, but like, it needs to become like an actual thing. And Houston has there's not a lot of tech companies in Houston. There's a awful lot of e-commerce sellers. Like, that's that's the thing is we it's like I told you before we're coming over from those meetups. Yeah, I I've been absolutely excited. And there there are no meetups. That's something all. I don't understand. I just don't get it. Like I, I think I think I think Austin's more proactive because there's the platforms are here and people come in for that. And, and, that. and also it could be like Houston's much larger than Austin, so it could also be like oh you know, pockets. Yeah, but the airport you can get from anywhere in the world. To George Bush or the other airport, yeah. hobby. It's like, yeah, it makes sense to do something there. Yeah. Cool. All right, that's what yep. we're doing next. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. <laughs>